0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Okay, um, I was just standing there and thinking, how and what can you say after such worship, such declaration of truth? I think we can go home now. <laughs> Anyone with me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's try again. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen! So, my name is Marvellous, and I'm a member of Grace Church here. Um, been coming to Grace Church now since 2014. Um, great, still great so far. Uh, so I come to Grace Church with my family. Uh, my wife is not here now. She's um, serving. But um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, and I do not take it lightly. Today, um, we'll be taking a break from our Radical Welcome series. And it's been an amazing one, actually, because we've talked about how do we welcome the nations? How do we begin to build community and impact the, 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 the city that God has placed us in, Nottingham? How do we begin to reach out and touch the life of people that need help? And all of that is good and great to do. Because it actually reflects uh, what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. We are designed to do good works. And these are not just good works that we suddenly realize along the way. They are actually things that were designed for us to do before we were born. God knew you, had a plan, and Radical Welcome gives you opportunity to explore them. Praise God. So today we'll kind of step back from Radical Welcome and explore a bit internally where we are, how ready we are, to actually do this great work that is ahead of us. And one way that I begin to reflect on that is really thinking about the identity that we have in Christ. Are you confident in the identity that you have in Christ? Is it strong enough for you to step out in radical welcome? Do you know that you have eternal life? And if you do, what does that mean to you? Does it make you want to run? Or does it make you passive, relaxed, and just coasting a long life? I pray that today we'll be challenged to see that there is this fire in us that we can't sit quiet anymore. Praise God. So when I think of questions like this, the apostle that comes to my mind is John. Because John is one person that was an eyewitness. He was there and he saw Jesus. He was a close friend he experienced the miracles firsthand. Imagine being with Jesus and you meet someone that has been sick for 38 years and Jesus says to him, stand up and walk and he stands up and goes on his way laughing. Imagine, you know, going through and you see a woman crying that the the baby is dead and Jesus says, oh, wake up and the, the baby is alive. How, you know, if you were him and then you see all these things, Eyewitness account, true accounts. And this is the man writing. And one of the key things about the Gospel of John is that he talks about the reason why he writes. He wrote the Gospel. He says, I write this thing so that you may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but that in knowing, you may actually believe in him and receive the life that he brought. Then he proceeded to write letters also. He wrote in 1 John 15 verse 13, saying to believers that I write to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know? And this is not the kind of knowing that you know today, you don't know tomorrow, you are sure today, you are not sure tomorrow. It is the knowing that you say, I know that I know that I know. Because you know it so much that it begins to change your character. It begins to change the way you do things. Praise God. Do you know that you have eternal life? Praise God. Yes! (laughs) Amen? So in exploring this question, um, I just again look at the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus written by John, believing that he was really there, you know, seeing this conversation go through. And we'll just read this quickly in John chapter 3 from verse 1, and the words should come up on the screen. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. No one. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? First question. And then he proceeds again to ask another question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Almost like giving Jesus a chance to retrace this statement of fallas, this stuff, like, can he, like, you know, giving him a chance to say, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. Jesus goes again. <laughs> Jesus answered, truly, truly. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay? It makes it a bit more confusing for him. Now he introduces water and spirit. Then Jesus says to him, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Establishing that we have this physical kingdom, this physical body that we see. Let that be clear. Keep it there. Flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit talking to him that there's two different things here that are as real as each other, as real as the other. Flesh, spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Like, you you are serious. How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Praise God. So, growing up um, in, in my culture, there is a way that we used to refer to the Pharisees. We say, the Pharisee. It was a way of scorn, a way of saying hypocrite. But actually, in the days of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees were like the top-notch people that have dedicated all their life learning the law, keeping the law, to almost a perfect fault. These are the very few that everyone knows that, you know, to belong to that class, you would have, you know, memorized all the law, your life showed that you keep keep the law step by step, and the way you speak, the coordination of your mind, your attitude, everything reflects that this guy is for heaven. And, and that's what, who, who Nicodemus is. And not just that, he then belonged even to the smaller clique that you call the, the Sanhedrin. This is like a few in the whole of Israel that would form what you might call the, the chief judge. These are the people that could create additional things to make, us even, to make sure that everybody was sure for heaven. And he is the top of the top. It doesn't end there. Jesus says to him, the teacher of Israel. Jesus recognizes that he is like one of the best. Praise God. And when Jesus preaches, and uh, talks about the Sermon of the Mount, talking in, in Matthew 5.20, you see Jesus also again reflecting on his understanding of the Pharisees when he says to them, "Except your righteousness, exceed that of the Pharisees. You cannot enter the kingdom. Again, recognizing that these guys are like, in keeping the law; they are at the top at this moment. But then Jesus <laughs> comes to him and, and says, you, you must be... You must be born again. And we see the confusion that ensures because, of course, um, Nicodemus is imagining, I've done all these things. What else do you want from me? Like, how can this thing be true? Then Jesus talks about the water and the spirits, that you need to be born of the water and the spirit, giving him a chance to realize that he's talking about something that he should know, which is from the Old Testament, being a teacher of the law. Because in Ezekiel... Um, In Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27, the Bible begins to describe what God is going to do in the future for the nation of Israel, how he would clean them with clean water and transform them and give them a new heart. And all those stuff that the Bible describes, I think Nicodemus saw it as what God was going to do for the nation of Israel. He missed the part that actually this could be for individuals. And that's why when Jesus brought this to him, he said, how can this be? That this great stuff will be done in the life of a person? But Jesus goes ahead also to explain that actually, this spirit that I'm talking about, you cannot see it. It's like a wind. It blows where it wants. You can see the effect. In case you're going to go out here and start saying, look at my body, look at my spirit, establishing how the spirit works so that we are not caught up in looking for this spirit. There is a way to see it. But he was explaining that there is an invisible that is more real than the physical that is coming. You must be born again. So I ask you, do you know that you have eternal life? What does it mean to you? If you're an unbeliever, um, like you've not had the chance to you know, give your life to Jesus Christ or really encounter this call of God, a, a great call is out for you today. Are you born again? Will you be born again? Would you give yourself that chance to accept the promise that Jesus makes here? In John 3.16, he talks about God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. It is so simple that even if you didn't go to school, if you live in a village, if you were born in the oldest corner of the Amazons, no matter your upbringing, the is is so simple that you can be born again. Would you be born again? And it's a question for you, a question that you should give an answer because the Bible says there is no way to escape if we deny this opportunity. There is no other hope. Praise God. And if you're a believer here today, the question to you then is, if you know that you have eternal life, how, does this, um, give, how confident are you? How does this reflect in your day-to-day? And as I ask that question, I think you begin to see us thinking about what you did yesterday, the way you spoke to your wife this morning, or me, um, the, the things you didn't do for someone yesterday or today. That's not the question, really. That's, that's not where the confidence should come from. But even if that's the case... I remember becoming, giving my life to Christ as a teenager, and it was great. Like, you go through that first phase of great emotions and feeling great and wondering, oh, wow, this is great, this is better than everything. Some people call it first love. And you go through that phase where, in worship, you are the only one that is shouting. When they say, let's go for evangelism, you are in front. People are wondering, your own is too much, take it easy. But then at some point, it seems like reality begins to set in. And you start asking yourself the question Am I truly born again? Because for me, I I realized later that I got confused. I wasn't sure anymore. I wasn't sure. I was so confused that every altar call, every time somebody preached and said, Give your life to Christ, I'll come out and give my life. I was born again, 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 and again, and again. (laughs) And in the midst of all that confusion, how could I pray? Because the moment I knew that to pray, what comes to my mind is what I thought about yesterday, where I went to to, um, yesterday, what I did this morning. It was difficult. It became mechanical. Praise God. It was mechanical. But I praise God that the opportunity was then that my heart, I started asking myself some questions. And one of the important questions was, what really happened? Do I really know that I have this eternal life? So, if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, talking about, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. The new has come. Great. And I was like, where is it? (laughs) I couldn't see this new. Old things are passed away. I'm brand new. Okay. I looked at my body, still the same height. And I looked at my mind, thinking the same things, struggling, winning some, losing some, losing some again and again and again. I just got totally confused. So how am I a new creature? Where is this new creature that I'm looking for? What is the creation that has transformed me? Where is the transformation? And that got me utterly in a place where I couldn't really answer this question. When somebody said, do you know you have eternal life? At this point, it was not sure. Not sure. And you see that with Nicodemus here. Because this question begins to make you think about what really happened at salvation. To get to that place of confidence. What truly happened at salvation becomes the question for me. Because I see for Nicodemus here, a man that in his physical self, has, he's kept the law, right? In talking with Jesus, his self was there, his mind was there, praise God. So his complete two self, his mind, his body was there, keeping the law, and yet something needs to be born. What? So what is this new thing? ...that needs to be added to make him complete. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1... ...just to give us a view of what truly happened at salvation... ...and then then give us a chance to unpack how that really impacts us... ...and gives us more confidence in our identity in Christ Jesus. So it should come up on the screen. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. So this is not like there was something in you that was struggling to breathe, and then Jesus put his hand and helped you up, you were dead, kaput. There was no life. But yet, something was dead. And He goes on to say that, you you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So the body and our mind is right there, present, in this dead state. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And I looked at this description, like it's frightening to be controlled by forces that I know nothing about, to be driven and completely, utterly in darkness and dead. And this is the state of Nicodemus. Even though he's kept the law, his spirit was dead. And Jesus right there was saying to him, great that you've done well with your body, you've done a great job fixing your mind, but your spirit is dead, no way for you to enter the kingdom. Jesus was showing him something here that he couldn't do for himself. And that is why the next verse excites me so much. But God... But God, praise God, but God, being rich in mercy, being of the, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up, us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, but God, you must be born again. But God, it is one thing that we couldn't do for ourselves. It is one thing that our performance will never achieve but God. And in that state of deadness, God stepped in. And through Jesus Christ, gave humanity a chance to come back to life. And even that didn't quite help me because I started thinking, okay, good. So now something is born here. But what is it? And a verse that helped me to explore that a bit more is actually 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, which says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ Woo, spirit soul and body and it clicked so my soul and my body has been here all along but something was dead and suddenly there is a new thing that must be born again my spirit was dead my spirit now is alive praise god Your spirit was dead and now it's alive Nicodemus needed his spirit to be born again. And if this spirit has been born again in you, brethren, yes, you have eternal life. Praise God. Yes, you have eternal life. And what does this mean? Because there's this confusion, and there's so many schools of thoughts about spirit, body, and soul, what each one means, and a lot of confusion and mixing of terms. But to keep it simple, the body is the body, (laughs) right? And we all know our body. We could actually use the five senses of nature to check our body. I could pinch you if I wanted to communicate with your body, and you would go, you know, you would feel it. I could, you know, give you a drink, and you would get the test. Or I could engage your five senses if I wanted to engage with your body. You could also look at the mirror, and you could see how you look. And if you wanted to engage your soul, which is a combination of your will, your mind, your emotion, what you might call your personality, I would speak words to you that will make you happy. I could say things that will make you angry. I could say things that will make you encouraged. And the power of words is real. But if you wanted to engage the spirit, this spirit that is now born again in us, how do you do it? And right there was the confusion that I was caught up in not knowing what to do with this born-again spirit that is now in me, how to engage it, how to make it useful in my life, how to actually be the workmanship that God is talking about. But thank God for the opportunity that I started exploring this and understanding that with this new understanding, I got a great revelation that actually that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. There is a spiritual world out there. There is a spiritual world right here now. There are angels in this room. That you can't see them doesn't mean they are not here. You just have to know that they are here. And somebody will say to me, oh, no, I want to feel goosebumps. Because we get caught up in emotion. But unfortunately, yes, the body has its five senses. You can engage the soul, the mind, the will. But you can't engage your spirit with feeling. And this is where the confusion, you cannot engage your spirit with your feeling. So, you know, how do you feel today? I feel great. I don't feel like going to. How, all of that has nothing to do with the state of your spirit. The only way you can actually engage your spirit is what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse James 1, 23 to 25. And this should come up on the screen. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at the natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forget what he looks like. So you can look at your body on the mirror, you see what it looks like. You can ask yourself, how do I feel? Oh, happy today, angry, depressed. You can check where your soul is at. But how do you know where your spirit is at? The mirror is the word. There is no other way. And this should save us from all the confusions that we get in the world, of all the miracles and all the gymnastics that we see in the religious world today. The Word is the only mirror. Whatever it says about you is true. Praise God. Praise God. So you go to the mirror. It says, so now I went to the mirror, and suddenly it made sense. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, yeah. Did I see it? In the Word, my mirror. I saw it in the Word, and it's true. And that is why we have the gift of faith. You take it, you run with it. Does it feel good? Doesn't matter. It's not. You, you can't feel the spirit. Some people say, eh, "Okay, I've seen the truth, but I need to feel it." Sorry. <laughs> that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. The Bible says, "You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus." And yet, some people would say, uh, "I'm a sinner, saved by grace." You've been born again for ten years. You are still a sinner, saved by grace. When would you take the one that, look at the mirror. It says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, period. That's what the mirror says. Where are you getting this other one from? Because you create this sense of, oh, I'm still a sinner, I need help. Because you are looking at your emotions. You are looking at the body. You are looking at your soul. You are not seeing all the good things. And you are not looking at the mirror to say, what is in my spirit? Praise God. So the question then is, okay, fine. In this situation, then how can it be practical to me? The practicality, first of all, for me was that actually I can now pray because I can come to God in prayer. And when I come to God in prayer, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The same one that the Bible described that was holding us back and is in control of children of disobedience today. But I can come to God in prayer. And when the enemy throws at me the mistakes that I made yesterday, I look at my mirror. Oh, great, great that you have to say that. Righteousness of God. Thank you, Father. I'm here to pray. And I engage God because God is a spirit. And those that worship Him are worshiping what? In truth and in spirit. Not in emotions and in gymnastics. In truth and in spirit. So I come to God. God engages me as a spirit. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in me. Praise God. Do you know that the Bible says that As Christ is, so we are in this world. What are you going to do with that? As Jesus is, so you are right now in this world. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with this revelation? That you have the very power that created heaven and earth living in you. You have this eternal life living in you. What are you going to do with it? Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that you have this force, this power, that can transform not just your mind, but transform your body and then flow out to rich people? Do you know that being God's workmanship means that He's already set us up to be able to transform? We are transformable. Praise God. We are transformable. And no matter where you find yourself today, I could come back to God and pray. But secondly, I came to understand that, fine, if, so what happened to my body? The body is, of course, part of salvation, but the Bible clearly says that in the last day, in a twinkle of an eye, our body will be transformed. The immortal will become mortal. I mean, the mortal will become immortal. (laughs) Right? We are going to get transformation, which means our body is fully paid for, but it will be redeemed in the end. Paid for, will be redeemed. What about our soul? Our mind, our will, our choices? The Bible says, which is great actually, it says, renew your mind. (laughs) Renew your mind. Romans 12 verse 12, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that which is the will of God, that what is good and acceptable and perfect. So it looks like the rest of the Christian race which is what Martin actually preached two weeks ago, that we show up in this race, and we have these great witnesses, Abraham and Cole, looking. What's it going to do with this spirit? What's it going to do with it? And as you look at the mirror, you say, oh, I can pray for the sick. You step out. Yeah, the chair. You look at the mirror. Oh, I can actually fast. You step out. You look at the mirror. I have the fruits of the spirit. Peace, righteousness, gentleness, everything around you wants you to shout, to be angry, to fight back, and you choose to apply what the Spirit is. You look at the mirror, you say, okay, I would apply peace in this matter. Your mind and your body is telling you, come on, this is the one time you make your stand. For once, make your stand. But we live by the Spirit. And that's the only way we begin to step into the fullness of this eternal life. So it looks like the rest of this Christian race is actually what we should do with our body. The Bible encourages us. It says in um, Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worship. So what do you do with your body? Every day, living sacrifice. Every moment, present it. What do you do with your soul, your mind? Keep renewing it. Keep looking at the mirror and reflecting it. Look at what else do I change? What else do I change? And as you do that, the power of God that is in your spirit, your spirit life will begin to flow into your mind and will transform your mind and flow into your body and will begin to transform those things that you thought were impossible that the word says, by his stripes you were healed. That is impossible. As you renew your mind concerning that topic, it might, you might begin to see them transform your body. And as it happens, you start stepping out and transforming other people. Praise God. This is the core. This is what eternal life means. So I encourage us today, we do have eternal life. We do have eternal life. So this is one understanding that got me to realize that God loves us so much to have gone all the way to do everything. This got me to step away from emotions. A lot of the times, I don't have to do what I feel. I do the opposite. Sometimes it looks like you're pretending. But you should pretend until your mind changes. You know it has changed when it stops making you feel you're pretending. Because suddenly, it is now true to your mind that this is who I am. Then you pick the next topic, and it says you're pretending. You have headache, and you're saying, I'm healed. It says you're pretending. After some time, your mind realizes that this, this he's not giving up. The spirit keeps pushing, and that one is fixed. You keep transforming your mind, changing the things that you've believed all these years, and it's not easy. Praise God. So let's make it practical. Let's step out there and begin to flow from the spirit. It's almost like wearing a glass. Whatever you look at, just look at it through the word. Then you would be living out of the spirit and not out of the flesh the Bible says to be carnally minded is death to be spiritually minded is life and peace we want life and peace let's live out of the world praise God so ask the band to come up so God has called us to a life of knowing do you know not emotions it wouldn't feel the same every day but the Bible, the world, will never change. The mirror will always show you the same concerning your spirit and who you are. Our identity, our identity in Christ is secured. And let us step out as we begin to welcome the nations, as we begin to provide radical welcome in all the stuff that we have been listening to over the past weeks. Let's step out and start making changes that people will say, oh, you, 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 are not, you don't normally talk in public. You, you don't do this. Yeah, yeah, I know physically, but the Bible says my, I can do it, so that's why I'm doing it. Let's begin to do things that people say, this is not you. Yes, you don't know me. Praise God.